Bell, uh, welcome. Welcome to Talking Insights and welcome to Congress. And uh, how are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a long time since I've been at Congress with SMR. Uh, the last time I think was 2015. So it's oh. really exciting to be back. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back and uh, on the podcast as well. So um, uh, introduce yourself. Like, what do you do? Well, I'm a researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I really pay attention to discourse and narratives and how they shape ideas of belonging and identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside that, I edit for market researchers, mm-hmm. um, such as those that present at Congress or other SMR events, mm-hmm. as well as other academic scholars. Uh, I teach, <laughs> uh, and I'm also a member of the European Race and Imagery Foundation, which is an anti-racism organization. Mm-hmm. And so we build communities, um, we curate content, and we also do a bit of market research ourselves. Wow, that's a... Uh, it's a full roster. Yeah, hell of a CV. <laughs> impressive. Well, I'm happy to have you here. So um, on this podcast, uh, we want to talk about inclusivity and the, specifically the language that's used in market research. So um, it's, can, you, can you elaborate on that, you know, the importance of it and uh, maybe the examples and perhaps where we were, where we are now and where we should be. Mm. Um, so not, not to ask too much of you. Yeah, that's, a big, that's like three questions. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, yes. So one of the things I've been noticing actually mm-hmm. in the last couple of years when I'm editing for SMR especially mm-hmm. is that there is more attention being paid to DEI topics. So not just um, in terms of the campaigns themselves being DEI related, but mm-hmm. also researchers really bringing in more of an awareness and consciousness around how DEI plays a role in how a campaign might be received. And that's honestly really amazing to see it is in entirely the kind of evolution we should be experiencing um i used to work on the gmr many years ago so that was my connection to smr before and you didn't see those topics so much it was very it was considered controversial back then actually so to see it so much more a part of um the way that researchers are addressing certain topics or bringing it into topics where you wouldn't even necessarily associate it is really good. That's the direction we should be moving. And what I'm going to be talking about in my session this afternoon mm-hmm. um, is in terms of where we need to be going, we need to be moving to a place where the language really reflects the intentions of the research because that's where things still lack and lag behind. So sometimes... Um, when researchers are talking about a, <clears throat> a specific demographic, they're still using language that might exploit or oppress that group. And it's not because um, the researchers don't care, or because they have negative intentions. It's simply about a lack of awareness, I think, and a lack of knowledge. And so that's uh, an area where we could grow as an industry and better support ad campaigns as well. So in that sense... The business impact of that will be obviously a negative one because you're not able to communicate in the right way to the right demographic, especially the demographics that are uh, in the minority, harder to reach. And it would, um, what would be the positive business aspect impact of actually being able to hone the language used and really understand to understand the demographics? 
well, obviously the campaigns would resonate better and um, I think you see a better connection with those groups and I think and, and also beyond because when you get a message right and you tell a strong, rich story, it doesn't only reach the target, it's, you know, everyone can pay attention and relate to it. So I think, yeah, you do have um, very healthy implications for ROI when you start to get that message right. I think Annika Quinn de Jong gave a presentation yesterday here at Congress about that, about brand reputation and responsibility. And so she's been following uh, and actually looking into what the uh, business impact would be. Um, But there's also the social impact. Uh, and I'll be talking a little bit about that this afternoon too, um, about how social realities are produced. Mm-hmm. So Guillaume Johnson, a colleague of mine, he has been researching brand apologies mm-hmm. um, and how they respond when they don't get the messaging right um, and audiences kind of complain or, you know, there's a maybe a very viral reaction um, and then a, a brand is put in a position where they need to apologize and even the language that's used in that apology has implications for how we then understand certain issues or certain groups how we think about race racism you know and all kinds of other forms of discrimination um, and identity construction so coming back to the research Mm -hmm. i think we really have a responsibility as market researchers to be informing our clients ad teams much better with the language we use lead by example Mm -hmm. so that when it comes to campaign time and getting out to the audience and thinking about the business we're already all on the same page and using you know the right terms Mm -hmm. so how do you convince the researchers to um, to do this to be more inclusive to use the right language has there been any Mm -hmm. resistance to it sometimes um as an editor yeah i can sometimes make a suggestion and and not not every author is receptive to mm-hmm. it because they I think the fear is that it becomes too complicated or that they'll perhaps use a term that might be more appropriate but won't be so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of this um, is the term woke. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean how it's it doesn't mean what it's being used for a lot of the time. It's being used to mean all kinds of things like Gen Z, progressive, very mm. left-wing, yeah. alternative, when actually it's an African-American vernacular English term that basically just means you're very aware and yeah. you can keep yourself alive. So there are people, my dad is a perfect example, actually. Mm-hmm. He's not really somebody you would call progressive. I love you, dad. But, <laughs> you know, but he is very woke. Mm-hmm. And he is very critical and he understands how he moves through the wor- world as an African-American man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that term is very specific to, to um, a very contextual um, experience in the world, very specific mm-hmm. to a location and a place and a group of people. So for it to just be used so flippantly, quite often in market research, um, and then when you push back, the reaction can be, um, oh, but everybody knows what I mean when I use work, mm. so I want to stick with it. Mm. Um, so try and come back to answering your question <laughs> around um, how to convince market researchers. I think maybe we, we, we do need to refer to the work of Annika and Guillaume mm-hmm. where they're showing, you know, what the, the brand implications can be, you know, on 
in Annika's sense, showing how a brand can grow and mm-hmm. become healthier and more relevant uh, if, if you take that responsibility seriously. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, looking at some of these um, reputation tarnishing scandals that happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the more important um, social media becomes, mm-hmm. the more uh, of a role, a decision-making role consumers have because they really can push a narrative. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's not enough anymore for a big brand to say, oh, well, we put out a little apology, it's okay. And Guillaume's work shows that so well that that's changing over like the last decade. We have so much more force as, uh, as consumers. Um, it's in everybody's best interest to just get it right. Mm-hmm. And so... If, if you're the market researcher and you're the one coming into the room saying, this is the group, this is what they want, and this is how they want to be spoken to mm-hmm. in the current climate and the way that we communicate now and the way we consume and that kind of overlap of communication and consuming, it's in everybody's best interest to just be on the same page from the beginning. So for researchers that do want to get it right mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps coming into this um, more fresh, more new, and but they want to be able to use the correct language. What steps do they take to be more inclusive in their practices? Well, teams need to be inclusive because if you if you have an inclusive team from the beginning, you're going to be talking to each other, learning together. There's for sure so many things I would not be the right person mm-hmm. to talk about, but then there's other things that I can really, you know, as as we've been to- talking about just now, that I can say, okay, that term wouldn't be appropriate here, it would be more appropriate there. So that's one of the things we need to, to be thinking about. I think it is about going out and seeking the language. Um, it's about being more sensitive, um, being open to being told that you're wrong. Um, it's about humility um, and not always thinking that because we understand the methodology and the an- an analytical process that we're experts on every single topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I, I do think we have a generation, uh, you know, the kind of the younger generation of, um, researchers do approach it in that way. I see that in teaching as well. Um, the program where I am, I am with the, we're talking 20 year olds that are really teaching me a lot just because they approach the world with such an open mind. They're so much willing, more willing to, um, confront people that don't agree with them and really listen Mm -hmm. um so i think having that mindset will allow you to take in more um and perhaps start using language differently um uh and challenge yourself a bit too excellent um well thank you very much this is um i'm I'm gonna try and make your uh make your presentation uh this afternoon but it was an absolute pleasure thank you very much thank you for having me welcome